we'll do it off topic. Hi, Brad. How are you? I'm wonderful, Andrew. What's going on with you? Oh, not too bad. Um, hey, we are on Amazon Music now. Oh, did it make music? No. Oh, okay. I'll stop tapping then. No, uh, Amazon right, Music does podcast now too. So there was. I did. I did not even know that. I'm a little behind the. There times. was a. Uh, I don't know. We had an email. It was like, "Do you want to put your podcast on here?" And I was like, "All right, sure." Yeah, might as well. The more places, the better, right? I think so. The more people can access our sweet sounds. Yeah, so you can. Uh, the better off we you are. Can get us through uh, iOS on the stock. Uh, podcast app or what's Android use? You, you, do you have a like a one you like? I mean, there's a Google podcast uh, or actually I think it's gone and now it's part of Google Music. Yeah. I don't even know because I don't That's use it. I, mean. Which um, one do you I use? use. Yeah, I use one called um, you put me on the spot. Here yeah, because there's better ones I've been told on Android. Yeah, I tried a bunch of different ones that I came across the one I like the most. That's one called Pocket All Cast. Right. There you go, Pocket Cast. Um, and I, I like Pocket Cast because what happens is when you finish the episode, it automatically deletes the download, so it doesn't take up phone space. Like one of the other ones I was using, I didn't realize it was storing all oh, the podcast episodes. And then after like hundreds and hundreds of podcasts, all my phone was like, it's almost out of storage, and I couldn't find where all this extra storage was. I took all the kinds of pictures out and everything, but it was. It was literally like thousands of hours oh, of weird. podcasts that I had downloaded and listened to. Yeah, it was real strange. Um, and once I figured that out, I was like, well, I don't want that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I found this one called, uh, what did I say, yep. Pocket Cast? I forget what I said. Um, and it's it's much better. It automatically deletes it. So all I do is, you know, when the episode's over, if there's, you know, 30 seconds of dead space yeah. on some of them, or if there's ads at the end of some of them. Um, just fast forward to the end and it automatically deletes it. So I don't have to think about it, which is what I like. Uh, and it has every podcast I've looked for has been on there and it, uh, it works pretty seamlessly. I like it a lot. Yeah. We're on there for Google also. Um, yes, we are. <laughs> Stitcher. I think most of them aggregate from the same place. Yeah. I think, uh, so I think all, all the apps should have all of the shows. Yeah. I think there. a lot of them pull from, um, Apple podcasts. So, Yep. Yeah. Apple Podcasts. And from, I think I said it's Google Music now. I don't think it's on Google Podcasts anymore. So, but it's good because we only upload one place and then it goes everywhere. So, yep. Thank God that works. Um, Makes it real easy for us. I don't know how it does for any of the other stuff for analytics. But yeah, we're on there now. So, yeah. Perfect. I also saw a teaser pick of the Integra. And everybody's freaking out. It was like, oh, it's a five door. Yeah, what'd you expect? Yeah, I don't know. What else did you expect? Like, I, Listen, what happened was there were a bunch of teaser picks that weren't official. Um, and then there were some renders that went out there, which you all know how both of us feel about renders. And all of those things implied that it was going to look much like a you know 1994 Acura Integra again. Um, and it's not 1994. Two-door, three-door, if you want to call it that. Cars don't sell. Um, Honda just discontinued the last of the two doors, didn't they? Or they have one more Civic you can buy? I don't even it. think you can get a two-door GTI anymore. I don't think so either. I think that that's gone like two years yeah. ago. So two doors don't exist. They don't sell. Nobody's going to make them. And I, We're lucky they're still making cars. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you're lucky you're getting another GTI. And honestly, uh, the four-door yeah. or the five-door, because it's a hatch, is not bad looking at all. It's actually really good looking. So. No, and when it's designed right, yeah. it works, and it's it's fine as long as the car is good. I'm fine with it. Um, it seems like because of that, it's probably going to be more of a marketing move than anything else, unless it really harkens back to some driving qualities of the old Integra. I mean, if it's um, but if it's just a if it's just a premium Civic like like an ILX replacement, then I mean, I guess that's technically what the Integra was, right? Yeah, if they gave you like I guess Civic Si type stuff in an Integra but like made it a little nicer. Yeah. I guess people would get behind that. Yeah, made it a little less boy racer I guess than the SIR type R. Somewhere above a GTI I guess because it would be an Acura but not 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I think performance wise, it needs to be between the SI and the Type R. And as far as premium luxury kind of stuff, it needs to be, like you said, higher than a GTI, but. I mean, for me, a higher and a slope back uh, five door in a car like that makes sense more so than like that stupid mm-hmm. was it like a three series GT. I'd like a. It was like a three series GT made sense when it wasn't a jacked up SUV thing. That's no, it's not. I mean, it's just like like the Audi A was the A five the four the four door one or the A I don't know anymore. I think the A five is a four door now. And that car makes the same kind of sense this car does. It's a more aggressive looking hatchback. Yeah, I like it. Well, no problem. well, if you want to see it debut in person, it's going to be debuted officially at Ridewood LA. Is that official? Official? Yeah, they announced it on oh, Instagram. Perfect. Excellent. I missed mm-hmm. it. Apparently, doing that work thing. They announced it today. Yes. It's in, it's in awesome. my stories. Um, I'm way into that then. I'm I'm gonna be there, so I'm stoked. Yeah. I'm stoked to see it. Um, oh, you know what we didn't discuss was the new WRX 2022. Nope. It's um. Do you know why we didn't discuss? Oh, it? we forgot about it. Because <laughs> it's very unforget. It's very forgettable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like not that different looking than the current crop of Subarus, which I suppose they have a bunch of cars that sell really well, so you don't radically change the styling that much. Um, but... You know what it reminds me of? is like 2009 when they announced there was going to be a new WRX coming out, and the new WRX came out, and it was like... Or whatever year it was. I think it was, it was 09 or 08. Whatever year it was. That kind of like very Corolla-looking... Oh, the worst WRX. Argu- like the worst 0809s are the worst. Yeah. Like they are they don't have any flares really, at all. Really ugly cars. Yeah, they're just they're just a blob. Um this kind of reminds me of that. Like they tried something new. It's not much different than other cars you can get in their range. Um and it has Honda Civic taillights. And then they didn't um yeah, like they quickly realized that 0809 like Oh, this, these cars should have box flares. Once they look weird, yeah, this isn't yeah. selling. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. Again, it's we're not the target audience because we're not buying new cars. We're going to give you our opinion anyway. Um, I know you did. Well, I guess you did buy. A yeah, new car, I mean, you did buy a new car with black plastic I flares did, on the fenders. But fenders. that's just the way cars come now. So, I mean, here's the thing: if they built this stupid car as a wagon. I would have bought one like it. Like, just right. why, why they won't build a WRX wagon anymore, I don't understand. Because the same reason Acura won't do a two door Integra, because nobody was no, buying No, people them. were buying WRX wagons. That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, maybe from the outside looking in, driving around Massachusetts roads, sure. But it must not have made sense globally, or they would. They sell them you know, overseas. Just, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it's not like they have a performance forester that it's going to eat into. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't understand most new cars. I don't understand this car. I don't understand the black flares. I don't understand it on a non crossover car. It's just a car. Just do regular That's supposed to be that rally vibe with it. But that doesn't give off a rally um, vibe. I don't understand that the giant protruding rear bumpers we That is really weird. Yeah, I did see somebody photoshopped a bunch of monster cans on top yep. of one, and that made me laugh. Um, um, I don't know if it's a, a U.S. crash standards thing, and they tried to like integrate it into the lower black cladding, maybe. But like you could just it's, it's weird design the car around it. <laughs> this ain't the '90s anymore, where you had to have put tack on giant yeah. bumpers on an otherwise clean design. Yeah, I don't. I don't. It doesn't do anything for me. Um, it's got a ton of horsepower, which is crazy. It has what, like, 10 years ago, Evos and STIs had. You sure. know, the base WX was always like 50 but less. To, honestly, though, that's not even that impressive because it's been this long and it's 
it's a 500 cc bigger engine than it was and it's still yeah it should be over th- it should be over it should horsepower. be over 300 it should be over 300 point, yeah exactly it's, probably for the money they're asking for it and that's just the point i was going to bring up spending that kind of money it should be a 300 horsepower car and i'm sure it's you know 500 dollars worth of tuning away from yeah, me it doesn't matter it should be 300 horsepower car. from the factory but it should start there yeah it should start there so i don't know again i listen i, I don't i i I guess I'm supposed to give it. They'll opinion. sell them. It doesn't look to but me that much different weird. than the last one that came out. It just looks like the last one that came out with black cladding on it. And then it's just weird to me because I don't like have an opinion about it. And then what's like, to honestly, me, it was like, everybody's like, give us a turbo cross track. And then it's like, well, Volkswagen did and nobody bought them. Yeah. <laughs> My <laughs> all track is a turbo cross track that's nicer and quieter inside and faster. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm looking at the interior pictures of this. Oh, the, the center dash stack is weird. Screw. It's like split. It looks like a, it looks like a Zelda, like, like Link's shield. Like it's this huge, like it's just an odd shape. I don't know. Again, the steering wheel is not, not round, which is a, that's all something new I don't like. I don't like it either. It's fine. I don't even I notice do. it. I drive okay. I drive a car with one yeah. every day. It doesn't even bother me. Don't notice it. Because the amount of turning that you do, you know, it doesn't bother you. Like, I just like the look of it. Don't even notice it. It looks fine to me. and It, it makes it getting in and out of the car easier. I don't drive one every day. So maybe it's it. But all I can think of is back to the late 90s, early 2000s. Like, and I know you hate this word, quote unquote, tuner scene. Uh, where like flat bottom steering wheels were like, yeah, you get a flat bottom steering wheel in your car. Like it's kind of it's kind of barely that flat like bottom, it. but it's it's uh, I'm just telling you, it's way easier to get it out of the car with it like that. Yeah, maybe, but I don't like it. You wouldn't even so, notice it. You want my opinion? That's my opinion. Until I drive one, my opinion won't change. I don't like the flat bottom steering wheel. I guess it's not as offensive as like the square steering wheel in the new Corvette or the tiller in the new Tesla, but I just don't love it. I sat in a new Corvette and it was it was actually unsettling the shape of the steering wheel. <laughs> I haven't got to drive one yet, but I sat in one. So I like their cars. Their cars are cool. Whatever. It's a car that I will never own. Um, even within the used market, I don't think I'll care. And uh, it's it's funny how much that's changed, because I remember back when the 2002 WRX was coming to this country finally. And it was like the greatest news ever, and we were all excited about it. Everybody wanted one. And, you know, we were pouring over pictures of them, seeing them at dealerships. And we're like, they're finally giving us one of these cars. And now here it is 20 years later. And I'm just like, meh, I don't care. They were just so much more analog. And they were so much different from everything else in the market. You know, it was 2002. We had just lost the all-wheel drive Eclipse two years prior. We had just, you know, other than Audis and some premium cars, there weren't any all-wheel drive, like, sports sedans in the market. You couldn't get an all-wheel drive Volkswagen. You couldn't get an all-wheel drive anything, really, right? Other than Subarus. So that WRX came on the market, and it really, like, it's it's an important car. It, it changed the automotive landscape in the country because it brought out more all-wheel drive cars from all the other manufacturers. You know, maybe the WRX itself didn't, but Subaru kind of made their mark in this country with the WRX. Like they were here, they've been selling cars since you know the late '60s, but they weren't selling any great numbers until the early 2000s, and the WRX marketing had a lot to do with that. Well, the out the outback. So it, it's an and that's what wound up being the bread and butter for sure. You know, but, but prior to the, the 2000s generation of cars, the Outback was a very popular car in like Vermont and Boston and Washington State, and that was it. And now you can go anywhere in the country and see Subarus everywhere, I think. It's a lot more common. But I, I just think the WX was a very important car when it came out. It's funny to sit here and just be like, meh, I don't I care. I see the Civic taillights, though. You know? <laughs> I can't wait till somebody paints the... Uh... Yeah. The side skirts and stuff 
body color. Yeah, it makes it a lot of body color. I'm sure there'll be all kinds of things to fix it. There'll be bumpers that are tucked in tighter. And it's, it's a Subaru. I mean, it's there'll be plenty of people that buy them it's and so they want weird, to make, though. It would just you know, custom parts. Really good with just... Even if you still had these separate pieces, but they're just body colored. Yeah, just body color. Yep. Because they're a weird shape, too. They're not round. No. You know, and the whole thing with, you know, Subarus is, sure, they're rally cars, but a lot of people that buy them lower them. And you could plant this thing on the ground, and it's going to look like it has giant fender gap because it's big three-inch pieces of black plastic around each wheel. It's strange. It will be interesting to see somebody paint one and see what it looks like. I'm sure it will happen. It probably already is happening if they're out yet. <laughs> One of the first few delivered yeah, the will probably get painted in the body color. Be... It's got some wide body flares. You can't even see the plastic flares anyway. So, well, yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, but maybe we'll see some tuned ones. Maybe there'll be an STI version that will have body color I think that's flares. what's going to happen. It's going to have like more yeah. aggressive body colored flares to be wider. And uh, because because you're not wrong that the rest of the car is not bad. It'll still have an EJ25 because um, that's uh, some law somewhere. I think it's in the Constitution I'm that sure, you have to have a I'm sure EJ25 and a STI. I'm sure it will make more than 300 horse now, though. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. DevRx makes 270. STI makes 271. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's the old, the old car is a little long in the tooth. It is time to change it. I'm glad it still exists. I'm glad as an enthusiast you can go out and still buy an all-wheel drive, turbocharged, manual transmission enthusiast car. I'm just not that excited about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, so I literally would have bought a wagon one if it was available. Do you know what they're going to cost? I mean, it's going to be over thirty thousand dollars for a base model one. Yeah, even less interest in my camp now and i know that's just that's crumpy old me like i'm not i'm not gonna deny it like i, I i'm sure that the market supports a thirty thousand dollar base model wrx but i'd rather buy a brz it. or a uh f uh, yeah or if you're gonna spend even more money just go buy a nismo z or whatever not a nismo but a, a 400 yeah. z Yep, I think it's coming to Z. Z sure, dropping the four hundred. Whatever. I, I, that's exactly what I'm saying. This is as as an enthusiast. I don't think it's the option anymore. As your only enthusiast car, I think it's just a fun daily car. Buy a Mark Eight GTI. It's got a twelve inch tablet in the center, which is. I don't like it. I just odd. want. Just something that's, uh, the size of a double din is fine. That size was fine. <laughs> so it looks it looks like the base model is going to have like a double din. Yeah, screen. but it's split. It's still that tall. <laughs> but then the problem below it, it's going to have another double din screen for like the climate control, which is yeah. Just give me buttons. Yeah, exactly. Just there's certain things that just work and they're simple. Yeah, it's. There's got to be something that it's probably cheaper to just do touchscreens instead of designing and engineering all these buttons and knobs and stuff. But I don't care if you use the same goddamn knobs across all your cars. Like, it's just easier for me to use it. Like, I can reach down while I'm driving and turn it without, without looking. looking. I, I have to look that, at a touchscreen. That, that tactile. It's that tactile feel. I, 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 I have to look a little bit at the knob that I'm turning, but I know... I just turn it like two clicks. I don't like. I have to pay more attention to a touchscreen. Yep. Um, and then, like for me, a double din size screen is perfect. Like I don't need. The funny thing is, is like all of the the car manufacturers were like, "We need to do something to get these phones out of these people's hands." So I know what we'll do. We'll put a laptop in their in their dashboard. <laughs> like this is really um, <laughs> it's the Tesla effect. Tesla decided to put this okay. giant thing in the car. And now everybody's like, that's really cool. Or we think people want that because they think it's really cool. So we better put it in there. Yeah, and you're probably not wrong. But I don't know. I don't like it. Like in a, in a Dodge Ram where the dashboard is already three feet tall, you can put a giant screen in there. 
this just feels like the, this just yeah, feels this, like the, this this actually like yeah takes us it, it takes too much space this feels right? like the screen is going to the roof yeah <laughs> yeah it's wild i don't even some of the Audis and the Mazdas where the screen is popped off the dash, I'm not really that into that either. I don't like that either. That, that's a BMW thing. BMW yeah. started that. They had that separate. It almost looked like a like an aftermarket add-on on yeah. top of the dashboard. It's kind of weird. And Mazda ran with it and Audi ran with it. and It just seemed strange. Some manufacturers had them like for a while. They had them with they would hide and you pushed a button and they popped up. I was like, that's not... A good idea That's why I'm currently into Volkswagens as new cars because the dash design and the interior design is like very modest, simple, yeah. and functional. Well, I mean that's always kind of been Volkswagen's thing since day one. They've always been kind of like no frills. Most of the cars are pretty basic. I mean they've always had they've had some higher end stuff that's a little fancier. I actually I Ubered home from the airport last time um, in a brand spanking new Passat and it was pretty fancy inside. It definitely was not, um, a golfer, a golfer, a Jetta style. It was a little more like this big screens. And I just mean like the, you know. it's like, yeah, like a regular kind of dashboard, not too deep, not too tall. The console isn't too high. I don't like when consoles are really high either. Cause like, unless it's like a full sport, right? Car. You're trying to give, I'm in a sedan, so a sedan you sit upright like you're at a desk chair. Yeah. Where like my Talon, you're basically sitting on the floor, so the console is high, so that yep. makes sense. And that's kind of the way it should be in a Corvette too. But even that console in the new C8 seems like it's way too high. Yeah, it's kind of not even a console anymore. It's just like your own cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> um. So like when I'm sitting in a sedan, I want the console would be no taller than like my thigh, but it feels like yeah. I had this problem with the focus ST too. When we sat in it, like the center console is like really tall. It's like waist help. It's like waist height. Well, I think that's trying to make the car feel more sporty too, because it is a, a sporting vehicle at that point. Yeah. It just makes it feel more crap. It's the same console as the base one. I don't know. It's funny. We were having this conversation the other day, <laughs> Naomi and I were driving down the street. And I don't remember why it came up. I must've seen one in traffic or something. It was like a, 1996 you know cutlass sierra you know just the the basic middle of the road 1990s sedan that everybody's best friend's mom drove um like just that kind of weird era of like the cars aren't modern but they're also not vintage they were just kind of like stuck in transitional land in the 90s the american cars anyway but we were talking about the size of the car and the footprint of the car and the fact that it didn't have a console. It had three seat belts in the front. Like it was this mid-sized car that wasn't big at all. And it sat six people and had tons of space in the trunk and was just it was the most basic things you need in a car. And it's like a car like that doesn't even exist anymore. Like everybody moved on to SUVs and trucks and nobody was like, I want a normal sedan that fits six people. Yeah. Because you can barely fit five in most cars nowadays. Like that car would fit six people comfortably when you fold up that, you know, big cushy center armrest that dates back to 1955. But that's American cars in the 90s were a little behind. So it's just it's it's kind of funny when you think about all these things and how they've changed over the years and how much you don't think about it as, as leaving. But then you're like, oh, I want a six passenger sedan. What what can I even buy? I don't think the Avalon even is anymore. Wasn't that the last car with the bench seat? Center console now too. I think it might have been the last car. Do they even the make bench, an Avalon yeah. anymore? I don't think they do. They do, they do. I don't believe you. But it's it's just a big Camry now. It's not even an Avalon anymore. It doesn't seem like there's no 2021 Avalon. So, I don't know. It's... Sure, there is. <laughs> there's even a TRD version. <laughs> yeah. All right. Avalon, yep, two hundred Avalon TRD, hundred percent. Somebody I was talking to the other day knows somebody who bought one. Weird. Um, yeah, because they had a used Avalon, and Toyota was like, "We want to buy back your used Avalon," and they bought it back for more money than he had into it, <laughs> and they gave him a deal for trading into a new TRD Avalon because 
they can't sell the TRD Avalon because nobody buying an Avalon with a TRD package. Weird. So, yep, 2021 Avalon TRD, $43,000, 301 horsepower. <laughs> Smoke a WRX. Yeah. 3,600 pounds, which isn't even that heavy. So, I mean, if you're buying a WRX GT with the auto, why not buy an Avalon TRD for more horsepower? Right? <laughs> Just smoke yeah. those front so wheels on your way to the buffet in the afternoon. I don't know if you would because it has like 295.20. Jesus. <laughs> Get there fast. Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Uh, Get around book. But anyway, time. the whole thing is, is that there's, there's no more, there's no more six passenger sedans. There's barely any sedans. Most SUVs don't even fit six passengers. You know, it was like a, a thing when we were kids, like your friends, parents and your parents and everybody had a car that sat six people. Uh, and now we don't. Yeah, I don't remember us ever having one, but. You didn't have one, maybe not. I mean, I, I feel. My, my mom did. We had. I mean, I didn't realize you were so hurt that there's no way to carry you and five of your friends in one sedan. It bothers me. <laughs> it's just one of those things that you you, you don't you don't think about because nobody's even like lauding the. It's probably because you know the six uh, it's probably because of like safety issues. We're having just a person in the middle of the dashboard and they just smash into the radio instead of having an airbag. Yeah, they put as many airbags as they want, but they couldn't figure out how to put an airbag between two people's heads. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. I'm I'm gonna get a six passenger old. Cutlass Sierra and just work, we're going to pick up you, me, and four of our friends and go for I mean, a drive. Live your life. Right. <laughs> that's it. That's our next That's our next Redwood car. We're going to buy a Cutlass Sierra or a 90s uh, Chevy Lumina or something with... No, no. It's got to be the midsize one because the Caprice is too obvious. Midsize. All right. But, yeah, I, I listen. I grew up in six passenger, six passenger cars. My mom had a Buick Regal that sat six, and then we had an 82 Cadillac that sat six, and then we had a 91 Cadillac that sat six. None it's definitely, console, now I'm thinking it's definitely safety issues because you can't put a kid there. You can't have an airbag, so you're not going to put okay. an adult there. You're just going to put a bigger passenger Although, side airbag. It's fine. Uh, Pickup yeah, trucks do it. Pick yeah, trucks do I was in cross. a 2021 F-250 today, and it had the bench seat with the flip-up. Yep. So if a pickup truck can do it, why can't yeah. a car do it? Is just, at that point, is it marketing? Nobody was buying them. I, I don't. I don't know. It seems like one of those things that it was just such a standard growing up, and now it's just gone. Man, this is way it's, a uh, tangent off of WRX story because uh, WRX has definitely never listen, had six passengers. It's, it's big console. Uh, yeah. you know all the yeah. all those companies are trying to sell so far trying to sell center consoles. So big console is responsible for. Getting rid of your six passenger car. So far on the Auto Off Topic podcast over the years, we have exposed Big Salt, yeah, and Big Console, and uh, probably something else that I can't remember. But those are the two I remember yeah. the most. So anyway, moving on from the Big Console WRX talk, um, have you worked in any cars, Andrew? Yeah. Speaking of um, weird body modifications to cars, um, yeah. What speaking of? Do we speak of them? Oh, we did. I guess that. Yeah, and um, and and in a throwback to the original WRX, um, I finished the Moret headlight install on the G20. Moretti, Moret. I think it's Moret. So it's it's probably some weird French thing that we're doing wrong. From Spain, Spain, Spanish. Okay. Um, in in English, it should be Morit. I think I didn't realize how many different kits they sold. I only ever heard about them originally. We talked about this for WRXs. The problem is, is that they don't sell them for anything else that we would buy other than WRX or G20. I was specifically looking at their website. I was like, I love the headlights in Andrew's car. I want to buy a different car that could use these headlights. Um, But nothing else that they sell, I would buy. Except for WRX. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's like GT Cruiser. Yeah, yeah, that's the one I would. But yeah, it's like uh, Escort Cosworth RS. Uh, PT Cruiser, some Renault, uh, Golf Mark III. They're I wonder okay. if they would fit. Uh, yeah, they're making for a Mark III and I think a Mark IV. 
Uh, the Mark IV ones were ugly, though. Um, and they make them for a Focus ZX3, which I dig those, but they're ugly. What? Um, they don't work. What's the performance version of the XR4Ti in Europe? Because they make them for that. That's what we got was the XR4Ti. Right. It was a Sierra. So they make them for a Sierra. Overseas, it was a Sierra. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they work. Because like they could be like the G20 where, yeah, they're for that chassis, but they're not for that chassis. So our friend Al has an American market XR4Ti. Yeah. Uh, and he just finished converting it over to Eurospec RS, um, RS500 headlights. Oh. And uh, other than making a couple of new drill marks, it was uh, it was pretty much bolt in. Bolt in. Oh, I guess they're making for GC chassis in presence mm-hmm. too. Yeah. And those are really good looking. Oh, yeah. That'd be really cool on a uh, uh, JDM imported WRX. Yeah. Maybe that's what I should drive next. Uh, so anyway, I put them in after, um, you know, this post is sponsored by uh, a rotary tool. Um, yeah. <laughs> they took quite a bit of modification. Nah, I wouldn't say a lot of modification, just like a lot of dremeling and trimming. Uh, I couldn't have done it without a, like a Dremel tool just to get them to, to fit. And even then, I still I had to order some other bolts to get the inside bolts. That I talked about like reversing the rib nut and stuff. The I was trying to use the bolts that came with, but they're a few millimeters too short. So I gotta get some. I ordered some longer ones coming from Bolt Depot with some nylon spacers, so they don't pull them in too tight. Um, and then like the grill clips like don't fit that great into the Moret mounts. So okay, like. I got them to clip in, and then just to make sure they stayed clip in, I just cable tied them. And then on the driver's side, it was like the grill stuck out too far. Like it was bottoming out on the bracket, but then the trim piece, like the painted trim piece, was too far in. So I literally had to like dremel a little slot into the bottom screw holes for that and slid it out and then screwed it. And now it it's all lined up flush. <clears throat> I'm starting to lose my voice here. Get over another cold I caught from my kid. Um, so yeah. Damn, take care. And then the the paint I ordered online matched really well. I spray painted the bezels. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that was that was awesome to hear because I was nervous about that, but it wound up working out. Um, I mean, it was hard to paint them because I was doing it in the sun definitely thin in a couple spots but not like on the edges like where it's up against body panels um then i did the clear clears a little thin a couple spots like they're not perfect but they look they look pretty good but i figured i figured worst case case scenario you can paint them again i could have somebody paint them they're so easy to just take off yeah they look good enough for me and the car is not 100% perfect, so. They look good in pictures. That's all that matters. Yeah, from, like, standing, like, five feet away, like, really good. You get up close, you can see a little orange peel. Yep. But good enough. It's fine. Uh, I had to do. That's going to be with anything. Anyway, if you're not wet sanding and buffing. Yeah. So. I was like, I, I'm, literally, I was like, you know what? If I worry too much about this paint, I'm going to mess it up. So I just kind of yep. like read the instructions, follow the instructions, set my timer on the phone for the timer it said to wait between stuff. And that's how I did it. Um, the, the the tiny little like dips that were only like one, like they're like little like tiny little divots, like smaller than your fingernail in one of the bezels. I just filled with super glue and then I, I sanded it the night before. Um, and that worked out well? Yeah, perfect. So I, I sanded them with, like, I did, like, 400 grit on those spots just to get them down. Then, like, 800, then 1,000, like, wet sanding just to give them a little, give the pieces, because they're plastic, some surface to them. And then I used, I had some stuff left over from doing, painting the interior trim pieces for the seatbelts for my grandfather's Cadillac. It was uh, SEM. Just say SEM or SEM. 
Does it matter? I've always said SEM, but yeah, it was they had, they had plastic and leather prep. It's it was that chemical. So I took that and cleaned the plastic with it first. Um, because of course I washed them in soap and water and dried them, but then you, you want to do them with the surface prep stuff and make sure it gets anything off and it dries without any residue. And you know, because potentially if you use like alcohol or acetone or something, you could melt the plastic. This stuff won't do that. Okay. Then they use the uh, their primer. I used all the same paint system. So the primer, color coat, clear coat came out great. Um, I got a little worried because I literally, I got them dry for quite a while. And then I was putting them in. I could still feel them. They're kind of soft. I was really careful. And then, of course, later that night it downpoured. The car was outside. I was like, uh. And I went outside the next morning. And there was a couple spots that were like cloudy. And then as the day went on, it got warmer out. They cleared up. Like some moisture definitely got under the clear coat, but then it heated up and cleared out. So Perfect. Um, the Also, the the adapter harnesses I had, because I just bought them. They're like 9004 to H4. Uh, and it just said for like Mark II, Mark III Golf. Um, they were pinned wrong for the Infinity. So I just swapped two pins and they worked because when I first wired them up, like I was getting like high beams on like at the same time. So basically the the ground and the power for the low beam filament were swapped. So it just wasn't working right. Okay, because you, you went from a single filament bulb, right? Or sorry, single a bulb. single dual filament bulb. H4s are dual filaments. That's a, a single dual filament bulb to separate bulbs you went from, right? Nope, an H4 is a dual filament bulb, but now there's two H4s. So it's two dual filaments. Yes, but the inner, so the outers are a one to one now with the harness from the factory, nine thousand four to H4. They're, they work exactly as the original bulbs would work. Okay. The inside bulbs are high beams only. That's the way Moret had them wired. They just omitted wiring up the low beam because they only gave you one extra relay and harness. So when you click on the high beams, you get the insides and the uh, high beam filament in the outside bulbs. So because like that's kind of the way cars are basically set up anyways, you wouldn't have both. Like when you see a car coming on the road, um, and it's got two bulbs, even if it's got a composite headlight, the inside bulb is always the high beam, like the inboard. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yep. The inside bulb is always the high So beam. that's just the way. Yeah. Even when the separate or. Yeah. That's just the way they should be set up. I don't know if it's some standard somewhere, but that's kind of just the way it's set up. And it doesn't look weird. And nobody would question it either. You got to get an inspection. Yeah, if they're the other way around, they might question it. Yeah, you don't want... I mean, you could... If you wanted to, you could add another relay. And you could have um, four low beams and four high beams. But I kind of like the way it looks with the single outside. Plus... Yeah, no, I prefer it that way. Well, plus what I did, and they also didn't have the provision for this, was I drilled out the holes and then wired up both sides of the city lights. So even when you turn on just the parking lights, all four, the inner light, the, inner light, light, the little, little LED lights up. That was really hard. That's I found cool. a specific bulb on Amazon. That's a, a yellowish warm LED because most LEDs, like if you bought the Sylvania ones are blue. Which I've been annoyed with for a Yeah. Long. So these are actually like, because I had the same situation with the side markers. I remember even way back on my 2001 GTI, I had that same issue with all the bulbs I found that were clear. So, because I had I had changed it from the yellow side markers to clear side yeah. markers, and all of the bulbs I found that were clear, because so it would look clear when they were off, all lit up blue. It was hard to find it lit up yellow. Yeah. So, so that's been a problem for a long yeah, time. Yeah. So those are those light up in the you know a warm golden color, and they match the halogen color basically. 
because I just wanted halogens. The halogens just look right in that car. Um, they're also mm-hmm. super bright because they're clear lenses with good reflectors. Because I think they're just made by Hella and they just put Moret name on them. The lenses probably are Hella because yeah. they're probably a generic, easily replaceable part. Maybe needed to, like, say, God forbid, a, a rock came up and hit one, you could probably replace it with. Oh, a, you can buy them from them, but they actually Hella say Moret on the glass. So, so oh, okay. Hella maybe makes them for them, but they look like a Hella. Um, even cooler then. So yeah, and they're it's interesting because you would think the inside one is a different size, but they're both the same size. But it totally changes the look of the car. It does. It makes it look a lot more aggressive. It looks a lot more sporty, I guess. It's more like a thirty. Um, a huge fan. Yeah, it looks like a combination between like an Integra and an E30, kind of. I don't know. I, I dig it a lot, so I'm I'm super stoked for you. Like, it's one of those things. Like, we have so many of the same cars, but now I really want a G20 with those headlights because it looks so good. <laughs> I haven't even posted it on the. Uh, I mean, I'm not go- like the G20 Facebook group yet because like people go really crazy over these Marettes because they're hard to install. Yep, and they're expensive. So yeah, they're we need to rare. see what the reaction is. Yeah, yeah. Well, these these cars cost a thousand dollars, and you put in five hundred dollar headlights. Hey, 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 hey you don't put my so. spot. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows. All right, you can look it up online, but it's worth it because it's what makes the car like. So you, and this is what we love to do. You took this super cheap car that you know any the majority of enthusiasts if they wanted to buy a car could buy this car right and then you've over time you don't have a car payment on the car so you could spend a buck or two here and there on the car and make it better as we go along and, and what's more car enthusiast or hot roddy than that you know what i mean you, you change the springs and the struts because they need to be replaced so you upgraded them then you bought the more aggressive wheel, which really changed the whole look yeah. of the car. And then you changed the headlights, which changed the whole look of the car. And now you have this little neat, like, frankly, just different green sedan that nobody else really has around. And you're into it, even spending whatever money you spent on it. You're into this thing for less than three grand. And it's like the most distinctive little car around and it's fun to drive and it's reliable and the air conditioning works. And like, it's for, for, the, for the amount of money you're into something. I'm do a track like, day with it. I'm going to do know, another track I, day with I, it. Yeah, I, I won't, I won't, I guess, I guess I shouldn't say you're into it for three grand. I don't know what you're into it for, but you're into it for a cheap amount you're not of money. Far off. And yeah, you're into it for a low amount of money. You're enjoying it. And it's, it's, it's brought a whole another, you know, base of people to our, realm in the podcast because you're sharing with g20 people and like it's it's a really neat little car and i just i i'm i'm really a little jealous of the car but that's just how i get because i want to have one of every car which is why i have thousands of diecast cars because i can't afford to have one of every car but it's really making me think like i should do something similar to this for a daily like we, we've talked about it a few times like a four-door integra or a four-door 90s civic would give me the same kind of you know, cheap little runabout that could have like kind of sort of touring car vibes um, for not a ton of money. Yep. So, you know, I'm sitting here at my desk right now and there's two Inno 64 diecast cars in front of me. One's the Premiera Castrol race car, which is a G20. And then on top of it is the JACCS Civic Fiero race car. And like they competed in the same series. And I was like, well, I guess I got to build that car now. Like, <laughs> and that'd be a, a perfect daily for me as I'm, considering getting rid of you know my my normal daily right now my my crest my crest of opposite of the volkswagen so i don't know it's a neat car and i think that's what this podcast is all about is about you know kind of the grassroots working with the unloved cars kind of doing something different and doing it on a reasonable budget that can be attained you know we're not sitting here talking about as I ranted about two weeks ago, 991.2.3.4.75. You know, we're, we're talking about a 1995 Infinity G20 that anybody can go to their local police auction and <laughs> pick up for $250 from some crackhead. Right? I mean, I'm not wrong. I mean, it's, they didn't make many of them. But, but. No, it's, they're, not, they're not that common, but you can find them. And when you do find them, to find one that needs a little love, it's not a huge amount of money. And I mean, honestly, to find one as sorted as yours. 
you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and conflate a value on your car, but you know, if somebody wanted to just dump the money and spend five or six grand and get what's already sorted, you could do that too. I mean, for you know, like it's yeah, as far as '80s and '90s cars that haven't uh, exploded yet, these are these are true. way under the radar. Way under the radar, and tell me why it's any more or less fun than driving around in a a '90s modified Civic, similarly modified Civic that people love. Yeah, it's not really that much different. You know, it's the same car. <laughs> so there's some slightly different suspension geometry. It's a little more premium inside, but it's a similar size and it's a similar a similar class of vehicle. And I think that's it's just neat because that's just I think that's kind of who we are, you know. It's not it's not it's not all Porsches and Ferraris. It's Dodge Colts and G20s. Like it's just a whole different a different vibe. Not that we don't love Porsches and Ferraris. We just can't, you know. I guess we could talk about 944s and 924s in the same wheelhouse, but we don't because we don't have them. We have what we have. Yeah. Well, I like to play with them. I'd like to try 928. Yeah, 928, 944, 924 are all you know affordable cars for an enthusiast as well. But I'm just talking about like something that's super inexpensive and seems to have pretty good respect from all the enthusiasts yeah. I've talked to about it. So it's it's it's, it's just that whole. Buy, buy the car you want, not the car they tell you to buy. Vibe, not in uh, not an SCR sedan. So, not, not an SCR sedan. Not an SCR sedan. No, it's not. Although, if you want to buy an SCR sedan, also a good purchase. Interesting thing I learned about them, because um, uh, oh, we are working on launching our website. So this is part of why I was researching it for a post about it. It's uh, it was part of the. Nissan's 901 program, I guess, which I never really heard about before, which was to have the best okay. handling performance cars uh, of the 90s. And this, the P10 Premier, was part of that plat was part of that program, as well as the GTR and the 300ZX. Uh, they they nailed yeah. it. So I was actually um, behind and next to a second gen G20 on the way home today. And traffic and uh, just kind of looking at the similarities and differences between your car and it's also a neat looking car it's just it, it grew a little bit it's a little fatter looking yeah they have a a beamer suspension too not independent it's weird oh do they so they cheap they cheapened them a bit yeah. more interesting but i think they all anyway. got lsds and a five speed oh even more yeah. interesting so you need to find one of those for parts then you can do that conversion um, I guess it's possible. I just don't want to go down that road that deep. But if you found the part cheap enough, is it a conversion or is it bolt-on? Well, here's the thing. For that amount of work, you can still buy a Cusco one-way LSD, LSD and just put it in the transmission I already have. Yeah, but now we're not talking about uh, budgetary restrictions again. Now we're talking about a $1,000 diff. Yeah, but you're going to spend $1,000 converting a car to a different transmission yeah, and stuff. Maybe. You easily will. Yeah. Well, as I was saying, if it's not a direct bolt-in part in your car, I don't I don't know if it is or not. Buy a two hundred dollar junkyard trans and bolt it. Might in. be, or you could just find a touring one. Yeah. So anyway. Uh I also did a little bit of work. My work is a little less um complete, so I'll just start the process of the story and we can uh, finish it hopefully next next uh, podcast. Um, did was the Colt broken last week? It was not, right? No, I don't think so. It wasn't. Okay, so unlike me, uh, I decided I was going to get cars ready to go to the big event this weekend ahead of time instead of waiting till like Thursday night, right? So obviously, karma rewarded me by having the Colt not start. So, uh, Jinx, I um, yeah, I've already placed the starter twice in this car. You have, yeah. yes, just my turn. Which we couldn't. We both had forgot about the first time, apparently. Yeah, so I remember I was trying to think of it after you discussed it with me earlier. Um, I remember it now because I came to your house for podcast. Yeah. And I went to leave and the car wouldn't start. Yeah. Wasn't this last and November, September, October? That was a while ago. Yeah. It was sometime in 2020. Um, the car wouldn't start. 
And I was like, oh, well, you know what? The car's been here since when? End of 2020? Or beginning of... I don't even remember when I brought no, it here. it was like end of last summer. Because I was, remember I was... Uh, I was, You were here in September. I think the car left end of October. Because... I remember doing it outside and it was like one of the last few days before it started to get really cold out. Yeah, it was it was rainy and cold. I remember the last time you changed the starter. So the first time we changed the starter, it died in your driveway. Yeah. I went to leave. I couldn't leave. I was all annoyed. Um, so you changed the starter for me. Because I flew back here. Then I came back. We used it a little bit. And I parked it back at your house until the truck was coming to pick it up, right? Uh, this, and the it, truck it was, was all in the same week. I, I fixed it for you because you, you guys were busy doing other stuff, trying to get your stuff packed to move out there. You didn't have to. So you did it twice in yeah. one week? No, 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 no. Huh. The first time we changed it, uh, you were still, you were just here. You guys were packing up stuff from your house that you needed to bring back out here, your parents' house. Right. Okay. So you didn't have time to change it. You just threw me the used one you had that was loose. Yep. And I was like, I'll just change it for you. I'll help you out. Cause you, and then you were driving around that week. Right. You were still driving it. And then you guys left. Right. Towed your stuff away. Um, and then we that's when we parked it next to my house before you left. And then I, I didn't touch right. it at all. It, it sat for, I don't know, a month or so. I think I just had like a battery charger on it for a while, knowing that you were going to have the transport truck come. And then like a few days before or a day before, I was like, all right, I better go out and make sure this thing starts. Sure enough, it wouldn't start. Right, It didn't start. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, cool. The truck's so, coming. Like, and we like didn't record that night. I think we were supposed to record that night. And we didn't. Because I, yeah, you ended up working on the car instead in, in the rain. So what you wound up doing was taking, I had another, I have another Colt at my parents' house <laughs> that you pulled the starter out of. This is all discussed on that episode back then. So we had another, you had, I had the other Colt in the yard there and you took the time to take the, starter out of that yeah, colt that car has a dent in... and i have a broken knuckle <laughs> right that's fine it is what it is um we can talk about your anger issues later <laughs> um so the problem was is the first starter i gave you to put in the car was unknown i got it in a lot of parts and it we didn't know anything about it we put the battery power to it and it spun so we're like good it's great Put it in the car, and it didn't have enough really to spin the engine over without murdering itself in the process. No, it, it worked a couple so times. Starting the and car, I was like, yes, yeah, so I started the car a few times. It was like, nope, I'm out. So it stopped working. The second starter you put in, which is the one you put in when the transport truck was coming the next day, you did. It was late October. It was rainy. It was cold. You were miserable, and you were real mad at me. Um, and I reminded you that it was just payback for having to go pick up your Montero in vermont in the middle of the night yeah so we were all we were all squared up on that one um and that starter has been in the car until last night and i literally remember telling you you should have the other one rebuilt and have it on hand right (laughs) didn't do of course because it worked it's fine of course um there were a couple times where it like did a weird slow crank, but I just chalked it up to the battery. So the car wouldn't start this weekend when I pulled it up, went to pull it out where it was. So um, I pushed the car, or more appropriately, Naomi pushed the car while I bump started it because my driveway, thankfully, has a little bit of a downhill. Always a gentleman. Uh, and it's not a very heavy. Hey, listen, she's the one that offered. I offered to push, and she said she'd rather push. So, and there's a little bit of a downhill. And it's a you know nineteen hundred pound car, so at the end of the work, end of the day, it's not a big deal. Um, so she pushed the car, I bump started it, and got it moving, and parked it in front of the garage, shut it off, and it wouldn't refire. Obviously, so we did the typical starter trick. We took a giant hammer and you know a big stick and tried to make it work, and it didn't work. I don't think I've ever so seen that work was, ever. I've seen it work like a couple of times. But it didn't work anyway. It only works when it's jammed up. If you have like a broken tooth on the starter motor or something. But anyway, it didn't work. So I was about to take the starter out. And Naomi's like, well, why don't we check the battery first and make sure it's just not like a dead cell or it's too weak or something's wrong with it. 
And I was like, well, I really don't think it is because I can hear it like trying to crank. And like, do you remember when we were kids playing with slot cars? Like if you held the wheels, it made that electric motor noise. But like, obviously didn't make any movement because you're holding the wheels. So you can hear that the electric motor be like, like wanting to do something. And then eventually it would smoke and melt on the car. Sure. So that that was what the starter was doing. It would, it, I could hear the solenoid engage and try to turn. It was like, and not doing anything. And I was like, okay, maybe it is the battery. So let's test the battery. So I tested the battery. It was like 11 point something volts because the car has been sitting since before I was in Massachusetts two months ago. So the car has probably been sitting for two to two and a half months. So I was like, oh, maybe the battery is weak. I don't remember the last time I changed it. I've had the car since 2015, 14. So I've had the car for a solid six, seven years. Um, test the battery. It was a little weak. I put a charge on it. It held the charge. Still wouldn't start the car. So I'm like, all right, that's weird. So it must be the starter. Um, fun fact, I checked the battery to see how old it was. And I have never replaced that battery. It's actually a junkyard battery from California where I bought the car from. Oh, come on. So the fact that it's a junkyard battery from at least 2014 is pretty impressive. It literally says, like, um, whatever city California pick and pull on the side of it. So I didn't put the battery in. The previous owner did, and he sold it to me, obviously. And it just it still works somehow. I, I don't doesn't make any sense. The car has literally been stored in the winters in New England. It's been stored now one summer here where it sat out in 110 degree heat. So it's literally been from negative 10 to 110. And the battery's like, cool, let's start the car again. Love it. No complaints. I'm going to buy all my batteries from pick and pull from now on. They're seasoned. So they last a long time. Um, so I finally said, all right, I guess it definitely is a starter. I'll pull the starter out. Um, friend of the podcast and uh, multiple time guest Bradley Brunell was actually in town yesterday so uh, he swung by and was hanging out eating dinner and we were sitting around chatting I was like hey do you mind if we chat in the driveway while I work on my car not to like be like hey friend you're here visiting I need to work on my car but unfortunately I have the event this weekend so and obviously him being a car guy was like no cool I'll hang on the driveway so he, uh, he and Naomi hang out in the driveway with me and encouraged me as I pulled the starter out of the car, which when you're not trying to do it the night before the truck is coming and you have proper jacks and jack stands, it's not a difficult starter to remove. So it was probably taking longer to get out. No, definitely longer to get out, jack it up. It's not not quite that simple, but it did, it did require um, a, a, a large amount of extensions and a swivel. But Uh, other than that, what I do, I, the, um, the three eighths uh, electric ratchet was key. That's how I did it on yep. the ground with one hand. From the bottom or the From top? From the bottom. Huh. I didn't think it was the on, bolt. I laid on the ground and then blindly just put my, my head next to the rocket, like my right ear next to the rocker panel. I could reach my arm yep. all the way up and get the top bolt and then get the bottom one. And what would throw me oh, off on the oh, other Colt was the kickdown bracket was in the way. Yep. Which I had to deal with when I took the starter out of the seventy four when we were working with the. But I I have it was like freakishly long arms for my height, so. Yeah, I don't. You can talk to Stephanie about that one. T Rex arms or whatever. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I don't have freakishly long arms. I have shorter arms, so I could not do it that way. Um, And I didn't even consider using that tool because I didn't think it was going to fit in between the bell housing and the and the firewall. I guess it was like so a deep extension. Yeah, super easy. Yeah. Anyway, I did the opposite. I used a really long connection of extensions and a swivel into the top of it. And it made it, it was just as easy, pretty much, honestly. So it came out no problem at all. Uh, I put it in the ground, just ran a battery straight to it with jumper cables and uh, spun it over. And you can literally hear it like it sounds like, like a rock tumbler inside. So something's broken inside of it and it was you know, jamming it up and it wasn't working right. And every now and again, it, something would move and it would spin for a half a second was in the car and then not work again. So the starter is obviously junk. We do have a bunch of auto electric shops here in town that like rebuild starters and alternators and stuff. 
So I work in an office now, but Naomi works from home. And I was like, hey, there's a place right down the street because you run over there at lunchtime and drop it off. I said, and uh, she's like, do you want to drop off both of them? I was like, that's probably not a bad idea. Let's get them both rebuilt because that same starter literally works in the Sapporo, both Colts, and the Starion. So I might as well have a spare line around, right? So as you said earlier, um, so this afternoon she calls me and she's like, hey, I called all the local electric shops and they're all like a seven to 10 day turnaround time. And I was like, oh, that's super annoying and not what I expected. Well, I don't know what we're going to do now. So I literally immediately went online, was trying to find a place that could get me one before the end of the week. My usual move is to go to Rock Auto and pull part numbers, but not order it from Rock Auto and then search those part numbers on Amazon because Amazon is usually faster than Rock Auto is if I'm in a hurry. Um, so I didn't even search in Rock Auto. I just searched the part numbers. And then I called her and I was like, well, I don't know what to do. I got to try to figure it out. And she's like, no, there's one on the way from Rock Auto already. And I was like, what? She's like, yeah. She goes, it was well, yeah, Thursday. I was like, from Rock Auto, how? Because <laughs> Rock Auto is normally like a week, week and a half to get a part, no. right? I, my stuff comes in a couple of days. They're a lot faster oh, it's now. It's always been forever for me. It's always uh, been forever for me. So maybe it's maybe it's their new way of doing things. But um, the part was $15. Excuse me. It was, yeah, $15 plus a $1 core and $8 shipping. So $1 core. So what, did you just throw it away? <laughs> like what? Yeah, yeah. I'll pay $12 to ship it back to get my dollar back. So I, I want to keep the original one anyway because it is an OEM starter and I'll have that one rebuilt. So I don't I don't care about the core. I don't care about the dollar. I can keep the dollar. <laughs> so for you know twenty four dollars, I have a starter be here in two days, which is excellent. So now I can go out there and finish cleaning the car. Hopefully it gets here because we're leaving Friday night for the show, um, and we're planning on bringing both the Cressida and the Colt. So if I can get the part here in time, get it installed, I'll get the car cleaned up ahead of time so we can just go and pick both cars. So fingers crossed that next episode will be a successful report about getting the starter in installed and to and from the show. So speaking of the show, it is the Route 66 JDM show in Williams, Arizona. It is this coming Saturday. There is a pre-party Friday night and the show on Saturday. So uh, if you're in the area, you can still pre-register. Um, if you haven't pre-registered and you're planning on going, probably do because you get a goodie bag full of stuff from all the sponsors. And uh, that'll make sure you get a t-shirt in your size as well as like the commemorative license plates and all the other stuff that comes along with it. Um, it's $45, but again, it comes with all that stuff. So it's not like you're just spending $45 to park your car somewhere. Uh, and all the proceeds from the show are going to a um, a charity, which I should have looked up before I started talking about it. But in the spirit of the Auto Topic podcast, I did not do any research first. So, sounds right. Yeah, I can look it up real quick because it is an important charity. It's I think it's for um, yeah, learning learning disabled. Um, Yeah, it is something like that. Hold on. Da, 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 da. All right. Well, it's not super available information-wise right here real quick. So if I find that, I find it. If I don't, I don't. But there'll definitely be well over 100 cars um, raising special kids. So it's a charity that helps um, with monies and assistance for children with the full range of disabilities from birth to age 26. So it's definitely a good sponsor, definitely a good charity for the, for the money to go to. And it's, uh, it's sub it promises to be probably the second largest vintage Japanese car show in the States after JCCS. So I've been trying to go to it for the past three years and it just hasn't happened. Um, so this year I'm super stoked to go. Uh, I know there's a Datsun club who is driving their Datsuns down from Bend, Oregon. There are people who are coming from Vegas, people come from California, from Texas, from Canada. So it's uh, it's a pretty pretty big deal. So that's this weekend. Uh, it's uh, route66jdm.com. 
or they have Instagram, Facebook. You can search them out and find them. So I'm stoked. I'll be there no matter what, come hell or high water. <laughs> Not sure in what cars or how, but hopefully in the Crescent and the Colt, uh, Naomi and I will be there and uh, looking forward to it. So any events your way this weekend, Andrew? Um, No. Not that I know of. Maybe there's some no. stuff. Perfect. I think Japanese Car Day at Lars Anderson's coming up. It's like the 10th or something. I think I'm going to look it up. But uh, I'm just planning on, I got some more car stuff I got to work on. Yep. Um, that's, what, that's what I'm doing. I don't even think there's any cars and coffees. We'll see. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But you can uh, post it on the Instagram page if yep. there are. So. Yeah, so. Cool. Sounds good to me. So, yeah, uh, yeah. follow us on uh, Facebook, on Off Top Podcast, on Off Topic on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Erase the Anger, and uh, you can see some pictures of the U20 on there. And Brad, where can they find you? They can follow me on Instagram at TSISS350. All right, cool. Keep girls analog and aim for the rest.